Here they come, your Camarda wealth leaders, slashing taxes, dominating risks, relentlessly pursuing profits, protecting your assets, and keeping you in stitches while leading to greater riches. Your Camarda wealth leaders with Johnny Hotstocks, Camarda, Sonia Embraceable U. Elia, Rob Bulmu Shevlin, also known as the financial anesthesiologist, you'll see why, and me, Jeff, I want to be a doctor, Camarda. You're listening to the Camarda Wealth Leaders on WER, Camarda Wealth Education Radio. Let's face it, wealth matters to living a longer, better life for you and your family. Our goal is to painlessly educate you with uncommonly shrewd advice to help grow and protect your wealth. And while we aim to keep you laughing all the way to the bank, never imagine we're not dead serious about money. Jonathan Camarda is a certified private wealth advisor, certified financial planner, chartered market technician, chartered financial consultant, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified in mutual funds. Jeff is a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, chartered financial analyst, certified fund specialist, chartered life underwriter, and board certified mutual funds. He's also an enrolled agent admitted to represent clients with unlimited IRS practice rights, holds a master's of science in financial services, and is a PhD student in the American College's financial and retirement planning doctoral program. Besides being Camarda's chairman and chief investment officer, Jeff is also a working research academic in Wealth Matters. The Camarda team believes deeply in financial education and expertise and is proud to have Dr. Tang Bray as our chief financial analyst, who is also a university professor and working wealth research academic. Camarda Wealth Advisor Group offers private wealth management, including no commission portfolio management through Camarda Financial Advisors and other financial services as described in our boring end of the show disclosure. Folks, welcome to yet another edition of Camarda's Wealth Education Radio. You're here with Sonia Embraceable U. Elia, Rob Bullmoose-Shevlin, also known as the financial anesthesiologist. You'll well, see why in a few minutes. Uh, Johnny Hotstocks, Camarda, and we and me, uh, Jeff, I want to be a doctor, Camarda. And we're here with a very, very special guest, uh, Dr. Wade Fow. Dr. Fow is a uh, Ph.D. in economics from uh, Princeton University. Um, and a uh, professor of retirement income at the American College. Did I get that right, Dr. Fowl? Yep, yep, that's right. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, sir. And he's also uh, one of America's uh, foremost and most quoted experts on, uh, on the emerging field of uh, retirement income planning, which will comprise the, uh, the entirety of uh, today's uh, show's agenda. And uh, before I, 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 we get into that, Dr. Fell, one of my areas of special interest, as you know, I'm, I'm, uh, one, as one of your Ph.D. students, is in uh, um, advanced financial education. And I feel that uh, unlike uh, um, the, the established professions like uh, medicine and accounting and law and even academia, um, most uh, um, the, the financial consumers really have a hard time telling from those, those that are very well trained from those that, that really have sales licenses. The CFP board has made some inroads on this, but um, the, in many ways I think that there's still a long way to go. Um, what is your view on, on the emerging, you know, uh, 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 on financial education and, and what would take for us to truly have a, uh, an enlightened profession? Well, yeah, that's a great question. And as you're saying, it's really an unregulated profession. Anyone can call themselves a financial advisor. And, and for consumers to start to have some recognition about who, who I mean, as a starting point to, for the topic, yeah, there are certainly some, well, there's, there's a 
proliferation of designations and a lot of financial planning designations might just be write a check and you get the designation. So consumers really have to focus on some of the key designations as a starting point to know whether their advisor has been trained in comprehensive planning. So things like the CFP designation, the CHSC, CLU designations. For retirement income planning, now the American College just last year began with the RICP designation, the Retirement Income Certified Professional. And that designation has been growing by leaps and bounds and became the most popular designation at the American College. It's a three-course sequence that really trains advisors on all the issues related to retirement income in particular. And, and yes, that's just a starting point for consumers to try to identify who might be a good person to work with. Now, is that your brainchild, doctor? Uh, no, no. I joined the American College two years ago, and the, the designation was already well underway in progress when I had <laughs> become part of the American College. But well, I, at that point, I started working with them, and I show up a lot in the third third course in that sequence. Good. And uh, it, you know, it seems like uh, it only lately, and, and you would know more for about this than I, that, uh, um, that there have been true um, academic programs tuned to financial retirement uh, planning and other aspects of uh, um, the financial consumption. Um, where do you see that, that, that starting to, to gain some, uh, some uh, critical uh, speed now with Texas Tech and the American College and some others? Do you, do you think it's, it's finally becoming a legitimate academic pursuit? Oh, right. Yeah, it's rel relatively recent that financial planning has become an actual major at universities. and. Yeah, Texas Tech really helped lead the way with that. The American College, in terms of more advanced training, so the PhD programs, there's now, I think, five or six programs specifically in financial planning with the American College, Texas Tech, University of Georgia, University of Missouri. Um, blanking on what the other one is. But, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's really an emerging field of study in academics where in the past, you might find financial planning, but it was spread all throughout the university. Even Texas Tech is a good example of that, that their financial planning program developed out of their agricultural economics department. And, wow. and you see a lot of that, where sometimes it's financial planning comes more from the business school side, other times it's more from the human sciences or consumer sciences. But it's not really becoming something that is in of itself its own unique field. And students can get majors in financial planning. They can get education to then take one of the certification exams after college, and then yeah, move into the profession and really be a professional. And I'm hoping you bulldogs out there notice that yes, uh, Athens does offer a, a PhD, an advanced degree, in uh, in retirement and or rather in financial planning. But uh, as yet, silence from Gainesville. So well, let, let's <laughs> let's move into. Uh, uh, so I guess we got bulldogs one gate to zero so far, eh, Rob? Yeah. Um, let's get into uh, to retirement planning. How is it that this has uh, become the centerpiece of your interest? Uh, is it, you know, do you think there's a real crisis in America about retirement planning, or why do you find it so fascinating to devote so much of your time and study to it? I think my initial interest from it came more from the side of programming and writing computer programs and writing simulations that would simulate different strategies. My dissertation was about President George W. Bush had the proposal to create a personal retirement account where they would have carved out part of the Social Security contributions 
and put them into an individual account where that person would then have to invest that money, much like a 401k or an IRA. And just in the process of simulating how that sort of proposal would work, well, that was really the skill set that I would then, it took me a few years to get there because then, then I went and was studying national pension systems in different countries. But once I kind of realized retirement income planning is, is a new field, well, that skill set was very useful to study retirement income planning problems and to simulate how different strategies would perform and to look at the entire range of possible outcomes with different strategies. So that's that really the initial interest I had in retirement income planning. Well, just my own personal interests about how much should I be saving and so forth. But then, yeah, it was the kind of writing those re- computer programs was a lot of fun. And, you, you, That's what got me moving, moving in this direction. You think it's also somewhat serendipitous in terms of uh, some of the fiscal pressures facing uh, the nation the, um, as a whole and individual consumers? Uh, yeah, it was serendipitous for me that retirement income planning has really blown up. And you often hear statistics and you wonder if they're true, but there has been some fact-checking. That idea that there's now 10,000 baby boomers a day reaching the age of 65 really is a true statistic, and as more and more baby boomers are entering that phase of life where they're thinking about possibly have they achieved their financial independence, are they able to transition away from work, it's become a very hot issue, and I'm very lucky that I I fell, stumbled into the the area and found my niche there. I'm not sure there was more, you're too humble, doctor, you're too humble. But the, uh, do you think that many of those, uh, um, those baby boomers crossing the threshold maybe into retirement now are able to do so comfortably and safely, or is there a real problem? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of different situations. And when I started writing my blog at retirementresearcher.com, I, I was really thinking in terms of writing for people who have been saving and so we may talk later about things like the 4% rule. Well, you have to save quite a bit before you can really start talking about how to develop a, an efficient retirement income strategy. But, but there's certainly a large portion of the population that have saved very little, and their retirement strategy is going to be much more focused on making sure they make good decisions with how they claim Social Security and also making strategic use of how, how they're going to use their home equity, because that's going to be their two main assets, home equity and Social Security benefits. Good. And we really want to get into that a little bit later in the program. In fact, uh, Rob Shevlin, who uh, is uh, really quite a student, an unofficial student of these matters, uh, I'm sure is going to have some very uh, interesting questions about the old Bengen rule and, uh, and about uh, reverse mortgages and some of the other funding mechanisms. As we approach the break, though, we have uh, 60 seconds left in this segment. Uh, I want to remind everybody you're listening to Camarda Wealth Education Radio with our special guest, Dr. Wade Pfau, uh retirement professor at the American College and PhD in economics. And uh, for those of you listening, we have a brand new edition, remember, of the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and how to avoid them. We may really be at an inflection point in the markets. Uh, a lot of valuable information here that could help you uh, to navigate the uh, financial waters ahead more adroitly and uh, protect you and your family. Uh, to get it, you must, you must call in the next 40 minutes, 800-262-1083. That is 800-262-1083. When we come back, we'll be talking about reverse mortgages, what a safe rate of withdrawal might be, 
um, on your savings to supplement Social Security and possibly pension income and a lot of other really, really useful information for you to have as comfortable and as, uh, as, com- as rich a retirement as possible. Stay with your Camarda Wealth Leaders. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Camarda Wealth Leaders on WER Wealth Education Radio. This show is previously recorded. For private or on-air questions or to request free white papers or other educational materials or to schedule a complimentary no-obligation consultation about today's or any other wealth matter, call us at 888-CAMARDA. Write it down, folks. 888-CAMARDA. That's C-A-M-A-R-D-A. Charlie Alpha, Mike Alpha, Romeo, Delta Alpha, 888-CAMARDA. Call it now and keep it handy for wealth emergencies. Camarda Wealth offers complimentary, that's free folks, portfolio reviews to listeners. Get us your statements and we will thoroughly examine your portfolio, give you opinions on the risk and quality of each position you own, as well as how wisely we believe the whole thing holds together and how efficiently it addresses your needs and goals. At the same time, we'll also opine on how protected your assets are from financial predators, your estate plan, tax savings opportunities, and other ways we can think that you can cut risk, avoid probate, save money, and just plain get richer faster. Did I mention this service was free? Just call us at 888-CAMARDA. That's C-A-M-A-R-D-A. 888-CAMARDA to set up your free portfolio review now. All right, folks, you are back with the Camarda Wealth Education Leaders here on Camarda Wealth Education Radio with Dr. Wade Fowl, uh, all the way from, uh, are you in Philadelphia, doctor? That's right, suburbs of Philadelphia. At uh, um, the retirement professor at the American College and Princeton PhD in economics. We're talking about retirement planning, uh, pitfalls, maybe some tips uh, to enhance your retirement. And there's the, the, the old so-called Bengen rule, which I think dates back to the early 90s uh, after some, uh, um, some research of, uh, of the stock market returns and, and decumulation withdrawals over various historical periods. Um, it used to be widely believed that a retiree could pull about 4% of their, um, their retirement funds out per year and probably not outlive their money in most, uh, most scenarios. But is that really still um, uh, 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 believed to, to be accurate, or is it, has it come down a little bit? I know you did a lot of research on non-U.S. markets in this regard. Doctor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, the the Bengen rule. The William Bengen was. He's uh, recently he retired. He was a financial planner in California, and yeah, he brought expectations down to around four percent because in the early '90s, people were making the the big mistake of seeing, for example, the S and P 500 stock market index going back to the 1920s has generally provided about six and a half or seven percent annual compounding returns on average after accounting for inflation. And so if you just put that number in a spreadsheet, you start to think, well, maybe a 7% or even 8% if you're willing to spend down some principal, that kind of withdrawal rate will be sustainable. And that's that's a huge mistake that William Bengen was helping to fix. And what he uncovered in that process was this idea of sequence of returns risk, that it doesn't matter just what is the average return your investments learn over your retirement. But what's the order of returns? And if you are trying to spend from your investments and meet a particular spending goal and you experience a market decline so that your assets drop in value, you have to take an increasing percentage of what's left, and that digs a hole for the portfolio that can be hard to recover, that even if the markets recover, your portfolio doesn't recover. And so your sustainable spending rate can be less than implied by the average market returns over your retirement. 
And that's what Rankin uncovered by simulating a hypothetical individual retiring each year in U.S. history. And the worst case scenario from that was somebody retiring in 1966 could have withdrawn just a little over six, over 4% at retirement. And, and yeah, then, so my challenge to that, I, I'm concerned that that doesn't fit the whole story. The first article I published in the field of financial planning was what you mentioned about the international experience and using financial market returns. And now we have, for 20 developed market countries, was the 4% rule sustainable? And, and this is with data going back to 1900 now. And basically, it would have worked in the U.S. and Canada, but in these other 18 countries, results were worse. <laughs> Some countries much worse than others. In cases like Japan, you had really poor outcomes. This is partly tied to World War II and then the hyperinflation after World War II in Japan. But they were looking at a safe withdrawal rate of about a quarter of a percent instead of 4%. But I think your point and, is that the U.S. market experience may not be representative of what can be expected going forward. Right. That the 20th century U.S. was a really unique time in world history where the U.S. went from 20% of the total stock market capitalization of the world in 1900 to 50% in 2000. And even you can still be optimistic about the future of the U.S., but you, the U.S. can't maintain that kind of trajectory. It's just impossible to maintain at that level. And so, yeah, retirees may want to think more about what's representative of the international experience and might that be more applicable in the future. So just the other big issue is just that interest rates are so low today. And the argument in favor of the 4% rule is that it's the worst-case scenario, and that includes the Great Depression and, and the stagnation in the 1970s and so forth. But we have very little experience of what happens when you retire when interest rates were so low. The 10-year Treasury was only at these levels, and I think 1941 is the one year that began with a 10-year Treasury rate below 2%. I think the 10-year Treasury might be above 2% right now, but it was below 2% a couple of months ago. And that means if you're trying to fund a 4% spending rate, you're having to spend principal. And that is amplifying the sequence risk that I mentioned, which just means that even though 4% was the worst-case scenario in, in U.S. history, not in international history, but in U.S. history, well, that doesn't really account for the dangers associated with retiring when interest rates are such, at such an extremely low level. Well, this is Rob. Let me ask you a question. You know, we talk about sequence of returns. Um, if, if if someone's going to be starting retirement and starts having negative returns, and that's obviously going to have an impact on what their future uh, income they can derive is, what, are, what implications for strategy does that have? I mean, how should advisors and consumers be changing the way they invest you know, to to insulate themselves. Rob, that, that question is too easy. Please, you know, give us something more complicated and interesting, right? I'm, I'm being facetious for us. That really is, you know, the, the $5 million question, isn't it? For today's retiree, what do you do? And there's so many moving parts. Um, what say you to that, doctor? Uh-huh. Well, before talking about that in investment angle, I think really the more important angle is how much flexibility does the retiree have to adjust spending? And that's where... The 4% rule has a really artificial assumption built into it because it was, again, just trying to tell everybody, hey, 7% is not a safe withdrawal rate. It's something more like 4%. But the artificial assumption is that every year 
you ignore what's happening with your portfolio. You keep cranking up your spending for exactly what the inflation rate was. And that is having constant spending, this constant inflation-adjusted spending from a, a volatile investment portfolio is actually a unique amplifier of the sequence risk. If you're willing to adjust your spending and if you're willing to cut spending a little bit, if you have a bad year in the markets, that mitigates sequence risk. And that it's, there's really a synergistic effect where you can start off spending at a higher rate than implied by whatever the safe withdrawal rate may be, and then you cut your spending if there's a bad market return. I mean, if your portfolio is going down too quickly. And you may never actually have to cut your spending so much that it gets down to the level implied by what was safe if you're always going to use that inflation-adjusted spending rule. And so being flexible with spending and being willing to make adjustments in response to how your portfolio doing can really help a lot. And we, we actually, you know, lived through this in 2008 with the, you know, significant market contraction. A lot of retirees, you know, with our counsel and, and, and with their own intuition, you know, wisely decided to cut back and not sell and lock in losses uh, and found other ways to, to get by. And that's really, you know, what, uh, uh, what you're suggesting, isn't it, Doctor? And that really, that really is the uh, the danger is that, you know, if the market goes down, I've got to sell securities to get X amount of dollars, but they're not worth as much, that I get less and less, so I'm locking in losses, and you can never recover from that. Whereas if you left it alone and the market recovers and, and you're well diversified, you know, your portfolio should go back up unless you consume it and there's nothing there. Rob, you have a follow-up on that? Bull Moose uh, lips up to the microphone, please. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I know that you've talked about is, uh, you know, a lot of people and their advisors tend to put them in fixed income uh, as they get older, and I think you've talked about the use of income annuities, but given that we're in a, a low interest rate environment, uh, has that made you think that maybe that needs to be put off a little bit, or does it still make a lot of sense to, to still do that even in today's historically low interest rate environment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for somebody who's at retirement, the reality is that it's an expensive time to retire. And the argument that, well, you should just hold off buying an income annuity because interest rates are low. Well, you're gonna, if you're at retirement now, you're, you're gonna be spending from your portfolio. And with interest rates low, if you're holding bonds waiting for interest rates to go up, well, you're still having to spend from your assets. You have to worry about something called like the duration of your bonds. Do you have long-term bonds or short-term bonds? If you have longer-term bonds, longer than implied by, and this is a really technical matter, but the duration of your lifetime expenses, your spending plans over your retirement, then you're actually hurt by rising interest rates because the value of your bond portfolio, when interest rates go up, will decline. And if it's longer-term bonds, it declines by more. So that if you're waiting for interest rates to go up, well, eventually you might have a, a higher payout rate on the income annuity because interest rates are higher. Dr. Levy, so I, I must interrupt you. We have 30 seconds left. So, uh, folks, we'll continue this okay. um, the very enlightening retirement discussion past the break. You're with uh, your Camargo Wealth Education Leaders here on WWBA out of Tampa and uh, WOKB out of Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, again, uh, if you'd like to get a copy of the nine biggest dangers facing today's investor and how to avoid them, we do talk about retirement strategies in here as well. Call us in the next 45 minutes, 800-262-1083. That's 800 
262-1083. Be right back after the break. Stay with your Camarda Wealth Leaders. You're listening to the Camarda Brothers, plus the Antle and Rob, on WER Wealth Education Radio. Better planning, better wealth, better wealth, better life. Tell your friends about the Camarda Wealth Leaders right here on this station. This show is recorded, but you have questions to be answered privately or on the air if you wish, or want free reports or other educational materials, uh, call 888-CAMARDA. That's 888-C-A-M-A-R-D-A. 